All right. Good morning, everybody. Great to be with you. My name is Alex Grauman. I'm the campus pastor over at Torrance location. Hey, if you're over at Torrance, thank you so much for braving the weather and coming out over there. Thank you for everyone at Manhattan Beach. I'm not going to wear this the whole message, although I got to tell you, it's kind of reassuring. It's a nice little hug around my midsection. Anyway, so... That's just for the intro. Listen, we're in this dive-in series. We want you to get excited over the next couple weeks. I know it makes no sense today. (laughs) We are not feeling in a pool party mood, uh, but we want to really amp up this theme over the next couple weeks. If you've got, what is this called? Just a Hawaiian shirt or just like a relaxed shirt? Uh, If you've got flip-flops, if you've got, what do they do with that paint under their eyes, a big hat, wear those to church. That'll be really fun, especially gearing up. We're going to have some fun things after service on the third week of this series. It's going to be great. But this whole dive-in series that we're beginning right now Uh, is designed for those of you who have been at church and had a great experience. Because we are going to talk about not being on the sidelines when it comes to what God is doing around here at Journey of Faith, but diving in with both feet, being as engaged as possible, especially with God's mission through Journey of Faith. So I'm so excited to kick off this short series today, really because I want you to know the goal of this series has everything to do with the next series. Three weeks from now, on September 10th, we are starting a message series called Positive Influence. And this is our fall kickoff main series. It's going to go for five weeks. And it is designed to speak from truth of God's word to people in our South Bay community in a way that's interesting and connectable to them. We're going to use this tool of a theme around leadership and influence and what it means to be a leader in our community uh, to speak the language of uh, the community so that people can be uh, well connected, they can enjoy themselves, they can hear understandable things to them, but then also hear how much God loves them. So we are going to spend the next couple weeks prepping for positive influence by encouraging, by being challenged uh, to jump in to being involved with God's mission and what he wants to do with us as a church. Um, So let me start by saying that I want to say, I want to tell you about a lesson that I learned at a pool party of sorts many years ago. About 20 years ago, I was a youth pastor at a small church, really tiny youth group. I was in charge of junior and senior high students. And every year we tried to come up with interesting events that they could invite uh, some friends to, to introduce them to the youth group, of course, but then also help them get to know Jesus. Well, in our community, this was in Minnesota, uh, there was an event that happened in our community that our adults loved. Every year, uh, the the community would throw an event called this. I don't think we have this around here, Parade of Homes. Maybe you've heard of this, but it's basically local realtors and uh, home builders would get together and for a full weekend would open up hundreds of model homes in the area, both model homes and homes that weren't really on the market but were just lavishly beautiful. And really, it was a chance for a lot of people in our community to get in their cars, drive around, literally make a parade together, visit all these homes, and see how rich people lived was really (laughs) the point of it. Uh, People loved it. Now, our students, of course, didn't care too much about real estate, but we reinvented this as a youth event, and we called it Parade of Pools. I found 10 different people in our area that were willing to let us use their pools. And so on one day, we packed two church vans uh, with junior and senior high students and all of their pool noodles and inflatables, and then we drove around to 10 different pools. We were at each one for a half an hour just to experience. It was so fun to see everybody's different backyard setups and above-ground pools and below-ground pools and hot or cold. It was, a, it was a fantastic experience. And those 30 students had a great great time, and really what I noticed early on was that they kind of naturally gravitated into two categories. 
The first category, and both of those categories had to do with their strategy for getting into pools. I'm actually curious which one you fall into. The first category was those students who would use this technique, wading in. These were the students where we would pull up to somebody's house, we'd say, go get in the pool, they would slowly get out with their towel, they would go up to the pool and like feel it with their feet, maybe walk around the patio a little bit, have an iced tea, and then finally they would get around to getting in the water, and they would hold on to the, to the railing as they went down the stairs in the shallow, and they're like, ooh, 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 you know, do you do that when you get in a pool, ooh, 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 and then the water was coming up, and they go, ah, 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 little by little, getting into the water. Um, and by the time they were about this high, it was time to go. Get back in the vans. <laughs> Kids were off to the next pool. That group of students spent the entire day cold getting in the pool and shivering getting out of the pool. It was a miserable day for them. There was another category. I bet you can bet. I bet you can guess what the other category is. This strategy: dive in. <laughs> These students, we would show up at a house immediately. They're running out of the van. They've got pool noodles flapping. They're, they leap in. I suppose not diving in. It's more like cannonballing in, throwing themselves in these people's pools. Immediately, they're splashing and laughing exactly what a pool party would be. Now, in those two categories, can you mentally picture which one, as a human being, you are? That would be enough of an analogy for where we're headed with the series. We want you to be a dive-in. But I want to say something else that I noticed that same day. Our students also gravitated into two sort of categories that matched up with the first. Because what we found is that those students who were brave enough to be in the dive-in category were also the same students brave enough to invite a friend to this event. Those were the students, almost to a T, that had said to a kid who had never been to youth group, hey, we're doing this parade of pools thing. you got to come check it out. Our youth group is so fun. I really want to introduce you to how much God loves you. You should come to the parade of pools. It was almost a one-to-one connection of those kids who were brave in the pool and also brave enough to be part of God's mission. Now, it, it helped me take something that theoretically I knew, intellectually I knew, and see it in action in a real practical way. And here Here is what I learned. When it comes to God's mission, diving in is better than waiting in. So many of us live our Christian lives waiting in to what God has for us, where God wants to direct us into a big decision in our lives, or he wants to move us away from a sin or a habit that we need to, or he he wants us to be transformed in a certain way, and we dabble. We, we, because we have hesitations and doubts, we sort of go around the edge of things. We take our time being obedient. Now that's especially true when it comes to the idea of invitation, of God wants us to invite a coworker or a friend or a neighbor or a family member to experience his love. Some of us, that's very scary. By the way, I said some of us, that's not true. All of us. That is a very scary proposition. How do I share God's love? What if they think I'm weird? What if I say the wrong thing? What if they say no? Um, those are, that takes bravery. But some of us wade in so much, we hesitate so much that we're like, if I drag my feet, maybe someone else will do the inviting when it comes to fall kickoff. Maybe someone else will tell their neighbors and their friends that church is a great place to meet God. Maybe Pastor Jason will do the inviting enough for Journey of Faith. And this series is all about the opposite. God wants to use you, not just some of you. If you are a person who's had a great experience here at Journey, you have connected with God 
you are beginning or have been following him with your life, it is time to dive in to invitation. God wants to use all of us in his mission. So here's our main point for today. We can overcome those hesitations and dive in to invitation. Each one of us, God is calling to participate in some way. Hey, today we're going to look at a passage from the New Testament and see that even Jesus' disciples needed to learn this lesson. We're going to look in the book of Acts, and the book of Acts is an amazing book because it happens right after the stories of Jesus. Jesus' life, at the end of his life, he is crucified and dies, but then raises back to life, and then he ascends to be with the Father. And his promise to his disciples, and it happens shortly after, is he would send them God's Holy Spirit, his Holy Spirit, to guide them and to help help them share God's love with others. Well, he, he definitely does that, and it's, a, it's an amazing thing. One of those people that was inspired to allow the Holy Spirit to change their life was a disciple named Simon Peter. Sometimes in the Bible, he's just named Peter. Uh, Simon Peter, like all the other uh, people in, uh, who were the early disciples, had started their lives as Jewish people. Jesus himself was a Jewish man. And so their religious experience had to do completely with Judaism. But when Jesus showed up, even as a Jewish man, he made it clear over and over in his teaching that he was the fulfillment of the Jewish religion and that he was beginning from Judaism something new, something where not just Jewish people but everyone was invited into to be part of God's family if they would believe in him. The question in Acts is would Simon Peter and his guys believe that? They believed it's true, just were like, sure, we believe inviting someone to church is a nice, good thing, but the question is, will we do it? Will Simon Peter actually participate in the mission, inviting people outside of his comfort zone to experience God's love? The way God interacts with Peter in the story we're going to read is he has at least three new motivators, new motivations that he wants to bring in front of Peter. He wants to bring them in front of us as well uh, to challenge us, inspire us to be part of that mission. Let me show you the first one and then it'll start making sense, I think. Number one is this. When we're nervous about inviting, we need to remember that God has already started the invitation. Uh, in, the, in the book of Acts, we're going to read today in chapter 10, uh, and it's a story where Peter is called to invite someone into God's family. Sometimes when we think of our invitation that we need to make, it's almost a picture like when you're learning to ride a bike and God is the dad and he's just like, go, good luck out there. And we, we have this picture that God is sending us out to invite. Well, in Acts 10, we're going to quickly see that it's not just God sending us out. God is already out there. God is already actively doing the work of processing this invitation with the person who he wants to bring into his family. So I've been telling you that this story we're going to read has to do with Simon Peter, but at the beginning of Acts 10, it actually starts with a different character. It starts with the person that God wants Simon Peter to invite. So let me show you how this, how this chapter starts. Acts chapter 10 starts like this. In Caesarea, there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius, who was a captain of the Italian regiment. He was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. 
Now this character, Cornelius, is a very interesting, even just from these first couple sentences, very unique character because he was a Roman army officer who was also a devout follower of the one true God. Now that was very rare. Uh, A Roman officer, by the way, the Romans were the military occupying force in Israel. They were the enemy of the Jewish people, had really oppressed the Jewish people by occupying their land. Also, it says that he's from this Italian regiment. If you have connections to Italy and you're a Roman, it was very common that you would actually worship a pantheon of gods. We know some of their names because they've become our planet names. These are the gods Zeus and, I'm sorry, Jupiter and Mars uh, and Venus is another one that those are old Roman god names. That's not what Cornelius was up to. Somehow, God had captured this foreigner's heart. God had captured this Gentile's heart to follow him. We also see that Cornelius was being shaped in his character by God. He's generous and prayerful, we see already here. But God, that wasn't enough for God. God didn't want him just to be a nice guy. He wanted him to know the message of Jesus. So he in a supernatural, dramatic way, intersects with Cornelius's life. Here's what, here's what happens next. One afternoon, about three o'clock, Cornelius had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming toward him. Cornelius, the angel said. Cornelius stared at him in terror. What is it, sir? He asked the angel. And the angel replied, your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying with a different Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. As soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier, one of his personal attendants. He told them what had happened and he sent them off to Joppa. So what we have is God using an incredible supernatural experience to do the pre-work for Simon Peter. Now listen, I have invited many people to church. None of them have said to me, you know, an angel was just here and told me you would invite. None of, nobody has done that. But let me tell you, a lot of people that I have invited to church who accepted that invitation later tell me things like, hey, you know what? I was going through a season where I was thinking about spiritual things more. And your invitation was well-timed. I'm grateful for that. Or uh, this comes especially from parents. Parents will often say, hey, you know what? I am, I have been thinking about wanting to raise my kids with a healthy spiritual life. So when you invited us to church, it was the good timing. That was pretty great. Uh, It's often not until we make the invitation that it is proven to us. But even if we don't have that proof, we need to believe that God has gone ahead of us. He has already started that invitation. The people who might be on your mind that you should invite to church, God is already working in their hearts, in their spirits, to soften their hearts to receiving an invitation. In fact, let me put in front of you the question of the series that is so vital for us to literally be asking and talking about with one another. Here it is. Who does God want you to invite to the Positive Influence series? Who is it? Is it a neighbor? That's just coming to mind right now. Is it a family member who you were like, boy, I've put this off long enough. I need to invite them to experience God in a way that they haven't before. Maybe an easier way to think of this question would be who in your life is going through something and when you look at the challenge they're going through, you're like, I don't know how they're getting through without God. They need God in their lives. That person might be top of your list. In fact, that's not just a theoretical list. Here's the action step I have for you. You need to today start making a list of three to five-ish people and start praying for them 
and pray for your invitation. Who are those people that should go on a list? Who are those people that are in your life that God is like, I'm sending you to invite them? And then you need to know God is already working. He is not sending you out alone. He has a plan for those people and how he's gonna work in their hearts. Doesn't mean every single person will say yes, but it does mean that God is, is not inactive. He is an active God. Here's what happened next in the story. Uh, it, now we finally flip. Remember, I told you this is about Peter. We haven't even heard from Peter yet. Uh, here's Peter's side of this same experience. Here's what happens. The next day, as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter had gone up on the flat roof of his friend Simon's house to pray. It was about noon, and he was hungry. But while a meal was being prepared, Simon fell into a trance. Simon Peter fell into this trance. Just like God had talked to Cornelius in a supernatural way, he's about to give a vision to Peter uh, about what he wants Peter to do. Here's what happens. Peter saw the sky open, and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. And then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat them. What a weird vision. If you were up on your roof on a hot day and all of a sudden there's a sheet and there's animals, I mean, it was such an odd thing. What's happening here is that, like I said, Peter and the other disciples were Jewish men. And they had experienced Jesus in their life, but Judaism had very strict rules about which foods they were allowed to eat and which foods were deemed unclean or unholy. In this vision, on this sheet, was probably a mix of things that were clean that Peter was used to eating and things that were religiously unclean, unholy, that Peter had never eaten before. God says to him, get up and eat everything. Now, Peter, as a Jewish man, probably saw this vision as kind of like a religious test. Would he be true to, oh, are we getting an alert or something here? Here's some alerts going on. Somebody check that and interrupt me if I need to be interrupted, but all of your cell phones are up. So let me know if we should keep going, stick up. I've got my floaty, so I don't know what, what you will do, but that's my plan. All right, let's keep going as long as we may. But someone tell me if it's not okay. (laughs) God says to him, stretch your religious boundaries. He says, it's more important that you obey me than the religious limitations you have. Can you guess what Peter's response to this is? He says to God, no. No, Lord, he says. I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. He says, no, God. Have you ever said, no? God's like, I want you to be obedient. And you say, nope. Listen, you don't think you have? You do it all the time. I do it all the time. Especially, and most poignant for our series right now, we do it when it comes to mission. That list of three to five people that I have on my list, guess what? They've been the same three to five for several years. And I have not invited all of them. I have not, I have said, no, God, it's too scary to knock on their door, give them a plate of cookies and say, hey, we're doing this great thing at church. I I know you're a leader in our community. I think you'd get a lot out of this. You should come. I haven't. I've said no to God. God is not into our no's. In fact, here's what he says to Peter. Uh, He says, the voice spoke up again. He says, don't call something unclean if God has made it clean. Same vision was repeated three times and then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. 
Peter was very perplexed. What could this vision mean? He did not understand. Why would God want him to stretch his religious boundaries? Well, God gives him an extremely clear clue in the next sentence. Uh, Remember, what could the vision mean? Well, just then, the men sent by Cornelius found Simon's house. Standing outside the gate, they asked if a man named Simon Peter was staying there. Simon was on this roof thinking about, okay, God wants to stretch my religious boundaries, and then people show up. People are what is important to God. This was not a vision about food, although Peter probably needed to eat more food of various kinds. It was about his religious, he had set religious boundaries around who he believed could be invited into God's family. Now, really, God lays it to him straight here. Let's see, because Peter was puzzling over the vision, the Holy Spirit directly said to him, listen, three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, I have sent them. God is saying, dive in. (laughs) Now, I want you to imagine, Peter has been sleepy on the roof, he's hungry, he goes downstairs, standing at the gate of Simon the Tanner's house are three Romans, enemies of God's people, the enemies of his faith, the the people who have taken over his country, one of whom is a soldier. Peter must have been terrified. I guarantee you he was feeling the hesitations, the fear, the anxieties about the invitation, but God had told him to do it. God had told him, hey, listen, if I'm calling them in, don't keep them out. So Peter learns the next motivator that God wants to put in front of him. Here it is. The importance of invitation is more powerful than our fear. The need, the, the intensity, the, 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 vi- the vitalness of the message should overcome our own hesitations. We have to realize we're talking about eternities here. We're talking about the love of God being shared, the greatest gift we've ever received. How could we keep that to ourselves? It must be shared outwards. I know that it's scary. If you feel an anxiety about, I'm really gonna invite someone, they're really expecting me, they're gonna ask me about this for three weeks, yes, that's scary. But you also need to know God has called you, he has empowered you, and he loves us, he wants us to be involved in that mission. Peter does this incredible thing. They're standing face to face. It's already gotten late in the day. He knows they can't make the return trip to Cornelius before dark, and so he in the most countercultural move he could imagine, he says to those three visitors, he says, hey, you know what? Why don't you come inside? Why don't you stay the night here and we'll leave tomorrow morning? It was unheard of for a Jewish person to host Romans, heathens, Gentiles, unclean outsiders in his home. But can you imagine the symbol of that little house that night? This little quiet house in the dark of the night was hosting Two Roman servants, a Roman guard, Simon the Tanner and his family, who probably needed to get up for work the next morning, and then Simon Peter, who had walked and talked with Jesus himself, living in peace. It's it's a picture of hospitality overcoming barriers, of compassion overcoming hesitations and fears. It is, it's aspirational for us as people. We want, we, our lives should look like that sweet little house. Our church should certainly look like that sweet little house that night. The next day, 
Morning comes, and they do. They start their journey. They head back. Uh, uh, Peter brings a couple of his buddies. They go to Cornelius' house. In the meantime, Cornelius has gathered his, his closest friends and his whole family to hear the message that God wants them to hear through Simon Peter. Simon Peter <laughs> starts the message. He start, when they're all gathered, here's how he begins. Peter told them, you know it's against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to even associate with you. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. So I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. He said, I didn't want to, but I'm diving in. God has something bigger than my fear I'm going to dive in. That's what he says. Cornelius explains this thing with the angel and what's going on, and he says, Peter, what's the message? And then finally, Peter completes this invitation by sharing the good news, sharing the message of Jesus, that Jesus is the door in to the experience of God that Cornelius has been looking for, that we've all been looking for. Here's how he says it. Peter replied, I see very clearly now that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. That's the message of the good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. He is the one all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. People in Cornelius' family believe They accept the message of Jesus in their lives. It's an incredible moment. In fact, the Holy Spirit shows up and gives them the supernatural ability to speak in tongues, languages they don't even speak. There's this amazing symbol that God has arrived. Peter and his Jewish buddies can't believe their eyes. Here's what happens with them. The Jewish believers who came with Peter, they were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. Peter immediately is like, we're on a roll. Let's, let's do some baptisms. Let's get some water. They bring in water and they baptize all these people who are, hey, by the way, next week is baptism. Um, we were going to have it tonight. It's a little rainy. Uh, so we're, gonna, we're moving it one week. But th- th- that is an echo. What we'll experience next week is an echo of these first believers saying it's time to be obedient, to keep being obedient. We're on a roll. Let's be on a roll as a church. But there is one key, a couple key sentences that were just tucked into a few of the verses I just read that are pivotally important. Life-changing messages. Because listen, remember, Peter and his disciple friends, their mental understanding was that the way a connection with God worked is you had to be Jewish first and then believe in the message of Jesus to be part of God's family. Now, I can only see people here at Manhattan Beach and only some of you because the lights are in my eyes, but how many of you does that describe? How many of you were first Jewish and then became believers in Jesus and entered God's family that way? Is there anyone? There are some people in our community. Okay, I don't see any hands. Maybe you're raising it and you can raise it higher. Okay, you're, you're proving my point, which is almost none of us fit that pattern, which means that according to the expectations of the first disciples, none of you would have been welcomed into the family of God. If Peter and the disciples were correct, every single one of us, the door would have been shut to us. And yet, remember Peter's realization of what God was up to. It's life-changing. Here's what he said. He says, Peter says, I see very clearly now that God shows no favoritism. Everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. This sentence opened up the possibility of eternal life to you. 
God was saying, my doors are not small. I am going to throw wide the doors. He made it possible for us. We are not the prime candidates for salvation. We are the deepest, worst sinners there are. And God was like, that's who I want in my kingdom. It's, it's us. How could we hold those doors shut now? If God throws wide the doors, he's like, if I'm going to invite people in, stop shutting the doors, church. <laughs> Here's the third motivator we have to take seriously. We need to throw wide the doors of invitation because they were open wide for you, for me. I didn't get into the kingdom of God because God's like, that guy is great. We got to figure out a system with Jesus dying on the cross so he can get it. He was like, that guy is so broken and lost. He needs me to rescue him. And he brings us in. We, we must, as his people, say, how wide can we throw the doors? How do we get them wider even? What's next? What next shirt do I need to wear to, to, to help people feel comfortable at church so they can experience God's thing? What series do we need to create that will speak to people, people's language in the South Bay so it makes it as easy as possible for each of us to say, fine, God, I will actually invite that person and obey you in that way. I want to add, remember you're, you're going to make this week a list of three to five people just to start praying about. I want to add one last action step to that. Add one long shot, one enemy to that list. Who knows? Now I say enemy because listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, you shouldn't have, well, you should have two enemies. Number one, the evil one, the devil. Number two, your own sin. That's it. People, they are not the enemy. Maybe you're like, well, what about that guy in my office who's a total jerk? Yeah, even that guy is not the enemy. God loves that guy. We're like, what about my neighbor? Couldn't be more anti-God, hates when I ever... Yes, even that person, God loves that person. They are not the enemy. So I only mean enemy in in a, in quotes, way. Because who knows, maybe that person is your Cornelius. I guarantee you, Peter, if he was making a list of three or five, nowhere on that list would have been a Roman army officer, and yet that's what God had called him to. What a miracle story we have in Acts. God has a miracle story in store for you. You have to obey him. We have to take those lists. We have to start praying about it. Who knows? We may have an Acts 10 experience over the next couple weeks together as a church. I know we will. Let's review uh, what we've talked about today. Uh, we, can, we can overcome our hesitation, dive into invitation. God has already started that invitation. Uh, second, the importance of our invitation is more powerful than our fear. And then finally, we need to throw wide the doors of invitation because they're open wide for you. Uh, hey, as we close here, this conclusion made a lot more sense when we were planning to do baptisms today, but I'm still going to use it. Uh, baptisms now are next week. I hope you've heard that loud and clear. Do not show up at the beach tonight. Uh, they're now August 27th, next week at 6 p.m. Uh, here's the conclusion I was going to do, and I think you've got a one-week reprieve. Some of you, baptism would be the perfect step of obedience to get this dive-in series started. It couldn't be more clear. You know what you should do to dive into mission? You should start obeying God. He is calling some of you to get baptized. Actually, let me take one step back. Some of you weren't even planning to come to the baptism because you're like, I don't know anybody getting baptized personally. Why should I come? You should come because it is one of our clearest symbols of that small house, that gathering of different... We will see people of all stripes, different backgrounds, being baptized and celebrating the work that God is doing in their lives. You should be there to cheer and whoop and holler and offer a towel because it's going to be an incredible 
incredible service. There's over 50 people signed up. I think we may have already said this is the service, but over 50 people are getting baptized next week. But then to go deeper, maybe God is calling you. If you are a person, you, have, you, you believe that God loves you. You believe that Jesus has rescued you from your sin and forgiven you, and you've begin, begun to follow him. God is telling you to be baptized next week. It's time to dive in. Let, let's take this bold step of obedience together. It will prime the pump for the way that he wants to use us all in his mission. It'll be inspirational to us. Hey, now here at the end of the service, will you stand with me both here at Manhattan Beach and also will you stand at Torrance? Um, we're gonna pray. We're gonna get our raincoats on and we're gonna go from this place in safety. So let, let me pray for us this morning. Dear God, thank you for calling us into your mission. It seems, Lord, like it slows you down. You could just supernaturally reach out to these people and yet you want to include and engage with us as part of your mission. Help us to do that. Help us to grow a, a bravery, a boldness in you through your spirit that we would, we would take that step of with grace, with humility, inviting someone into something they need. Lord God, begin even this week to point out who are those people you would call us to? What is the work you're already doing in their lives? Guide us, Lord God, and this week help us not to say no, but yes to your mission of invitation. Thank you, Jesus, for this day we get to be together. Uh, Keep us safe as we go from this place. We pray in your name, amen. All right, hey, thanks so much for being here. We'll see you uh, next Sunday at church. Be safe.